0: No, it's utterly frustrating. You know, we, we keep on hearing that victims need to go to court to get protection orders. Then they do that, but nothing is done from the police's side to make sure that that protection order is adhered to by the, the accused or the suspect. Um, you know, what, what makes it more frustrating is the fact that these suspects, regardless of restraining orders or protection orders, sometimes get bail after continuing to, to assault or even murder the the said victim. Um, but the court doesn't deem it necessary to keep them behind bars, and there's so many examples of this. You know, we we we're preparing at the moment for the start of trial of the Sipukazi boy case in Paul in the Western Cape, and uh, you know she was she was brutally murdered. Uh, she was dismembered, burnt in a bin in September of 2021, despite the fact that the that man had beaten her into hospital a week or two before. He still got bail. The police didn't oppose bail. So utterly frustrating. And it's just as though, you know, when we inquire about it, just making sure police do their job properly at courts too, it's as though everyone just shrugs and say, says, you know, we can't handle it all. And it's, you know, it's just simply not good enough.
1: It's not good enough. And as I understand, this is where you are hoping to actually make a difference by uh, demanding accountability. So let's talk about that. How do you plan on doing that? And who are you hoping to hold accountable for at least some of these cases that, you know, we've spoken about this afternoon?
0: So we've we've got a a unique model, I think, in a sense that we cover many different angles of let's call it angles of the criminal justice system for lack of a better description what we do is that as soon as we get mandated by the family of a victim that's no longer with us or the victim that had survived we then follow up we get a written mandate from then we we then follow up with the investigating officer and we we give them assistance where needed and for that support so first first thing i need to say is that you know the the assumption that is often made is simply that the police don't want to as i said earlier it feels like that it's very frustrating but what we've realized especially over the last year since we've started doing this is that most of the detectives tell us that they simply don't have the capacity you know we've got places where detectives have 350 plus dockets per member and it's impossible to really manage what we've also then done is is that as soon as the docket is ready to go to court and we've supported the detective, helped him or her with the necessary investigation or anything else they might need, we then do the oversight in court and provide the same assistance to the prosecutor. If anything does fall through the cracks, like with, the, let's say, the Liesel de Yacher case, you know, it's almost two years later and they still haven't even completed the, the post-mortem report, then it is typically a time that we jump in and we start you know, following up, taking it to National Inspectorate at police or taking it to the head office of the public prosecutor. And so the list goes on. So we've just built in steps of basic accountability. And, and I would like to say that most of the cases now, we're starting to see movement.
1: So, Ian, of course, you know, I would imagine that uh, many of the victims uh, would you know, welcome this initiative. My question, though, you know, um, is still around What happens when people actually go to the police and are not assisted? So I go to the police and I say, you know, I'm being harassed. And we know that there are certain instances where people simply are just turned away without uh, uh, getting the necessary assistance from uh, either the police or uh, sometimes people complain that even the courts, you know, uh, do them wrong. So what happens in that instance? Can we hold people accountable for that as well?
0: Yeah, so what we do, we encourage victims to then reach out to Action Society. Look, we're an NGO, so there's no cost involved to it. And if it falls within the areas that we are um, stronger in, in terms of uh, just capacity in provinces, mainly at the moment, it's Gauteng and the Western Cape, but we've got other spots in the country. Point is we then get the information from the victim or the family of the victim and we can start following it up and give the necessary feedback. For some reason, and this is a very sad part of the South African criminal justice system, if an individual follows up, it's almost as though they don't get the... The, the feedback or just the basic mm. respect that they should have as an individual. But for some reason, when an organization follows up, we obviously communicate to the media and more. It seems that we have movement. It's not ideal, but we have to do something just to start pressuring them. And we are seeing successes. You know, recently we had a Kareleni Metro Police Department officer and he's been, uh, he's been sentenced to nine years in jail after kidnapping and severely assaulting his, his ex-girlfriend after several previous complaints protection orders etc we were able to get him behind bars and so the list goes on i think there's a lot we can do this is just the start it's not ideal but if that is what we need to do to change the system then we need to roll up our sleeves and get it done
1: Ian Cameron, thanks for your time. As you say, it's a start, uh, not ideal, but it's better than nothing. And that was uh, Action Society's Ian Cameron talking about uh, the initiative that uh, they have now embarked on to try and hold uh, those across the criminal justice system uh, responsible and accountable when people are actually failed by the system when it comes to cases of gender-based violence.